They, you know, the McCarthy's, they came last week. They got caught in the storm. They did our ladies' brunch on Saturday, and then they got, they got stuck here, and they, they left on Monday. And I just appreciate the McCarthy's and what God is doing in Uruguay. And that's part of your giving to send them to these, to, to these countries to reach them with the love of Jesus Christ. So, so thank you for doing that. Normally we take an offering when they come, and, uh, but I wanted to bless them. And uh, the basket in the back, if you want to give an offering to the McCarthy's, by all means do that. All the money that's received in the basket in the back, we'll make sure to send them a check. You can write your checks out to Living Word. We'll make sure all, all the monies that are, are raised today go to the McCarthy. So if you uh, want to do that, then by, by all means do that. And thank you for, for blessing them. And keep them uh, in your prayers uh, as they're getting ready to go back very soon to that country. Um, most missionaries, they stay for four years and then they come and they travel back to minister into the churches that are supporting them. And uh, so they're on furlough right now, soon to go back to the country of Uruguay. So thank you for praying for them and seeing what God is doing. Amazing things that God is doing in that country. Um, I'm excited next week. I just I want to give a little plug here for next week. We're starting a new series. And how many of you, someone asked you a question about God and you're like, hmm, that's a good question. Maybe it had to do with science. You know, how can the Bible and science, can those two things get along? Do we have to throw out one or the other? Or someone may have asked you a question about suffering or evil in the world. How many of you ever had, had that question? Raise your hand if you ever just came across something like that. How many of you, you're like, man, I would love to be able just to maybe have something in my toolbox. You know, something just to just to answer them or, or, or maybe to have help uh, in that way. How, how many of you ever, ever asked ask that question? Like, man, I would, I would look just, how many? Okay. So, so here's what I want to do. Um, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to give this book right here. Cause Louise, I saw you raise your hand first. <laughs> so what we're doing is we're going to be studying the problem of God. And um, there's this wonderful book that's been written called The Problem of God by Mark Clark. We're going, to, we're going to be digging into these questions for six weeks. We're going to be digging into the question about how can Christianity be the only way to God? How can Jesus be the only way to God? Can, can science and faith mix? Um, and, and, the, and the answer to all those things is Yes. And so this is a great opportunity for you to maybe bring someone to church who has those questions. And so really, these series of messages are for us in the church, but really, it's for those that are outside, that so many people are struggling with these questions. And so here's what we did. We did some research, and we picked the top questions that people ask. And I researched this and I looked at these questions and that's why the book was written. These are the top questions that people ask that they're concerned about. And, and is there answers uh, in Christianity for, for these questions that I have? And the answer is yes. So we're going to be doing that over the next six weeks. So I want to encourage you to come and to invite someone. And I believe God's going to do a great, great work through these series. And so, um, so just be in prayer for that and maybe asking someone to come to church with you to dive into these questions that people um, are, are asking. Amen? Um, you know, it's interesting. There, there's, this, um, there's this story in the Bible that, that Jesus is with his disciples, and it's in John chapter 4, and Jesus is, is going through the country of Samaria. 
And so he's traveling from Jerusalem. He's going north through Samaria, going back to Galilee, where he spent much of his time ministering. And you're probably thinking to yourself, well, Pastor, what's the big deal of Jesus going through um, Samaria? He's just traveling through there. Well, this is a huge deal. Because most strict Jews would not travel through Samaria for this reason. The people that were living there. And the people that were living there were Samaritans. And Samaritans were looked down on from Jewish people for this reason. Samaritans were, were, were Jewish and Gentile. There were kind of a, a, a mix there of Jewish and Gentile. And so uh, the Jews kind of looked down on them because they weren't fully Jewish. And then uh, the people that weren't Jewish looked down on them because partially they were, they were Jewish. And there was just this huge divide amongst these groups of people. And what Jesus does is, instead of going around and doing a longer trip like like most strict Jews would do, Jesus goes, I'm going to go right through the middle of this country. This story that I'm about to share with you in John chapter 4 has everything to do with missions. And my prayer for you this morning is that this story would grip your hearts It would open your mind to what God has for the world. So let me give you this first um, statement here. Jesus's conversation, because what happens is he, he, he travels through there and he stops at a well to get something to drink. And there he meets a Samaritan woman. Now, the disciples have run off to get something to eat. So so Jesus has this conversation with this Samaritan woman. And let me throw out this first first statement to you. Jesus' conversation with this woman is all about living your life on mission. And here's the thing I want you to realize. As a follower of Jesus Christ, God has set for you a mission. Now, your mission ultimately isn't your job. Your mission in life ultimately isn't your hobbies. Your mission in life ultimately isn't the sports that you're interested in. Um, Those things are all fine and dandy and great. But your ultimate mission in life is this. It's people. Jesus' ultimate mission for him coming to earth was to reach people. And I want you to see this, this conversation that Jesus has with this woman is, is, is really amazing. Because what I want to unpack for you today is the cultural um, background to this. Uh, because there's a lot going on that, that we may not understand. So this is, this is what I want you to see today. That the story speaks to the heart of missions and what we're, what we're called to. And, and, and who are we called to? So, you know, when I was younger, as, you know, as, as a teenager, maybe some of you felt the same way. You, when I would hear about missions, or maybe the church would do a, a missions emphasis, or they would have um, missionaries come through, you know, I always thought that they, it was just a select few. This was like the dream team of Christians that would lay their lives down and go to some foreign country and and share the gospel, and they had their big machetes, you know, and they're whacking down trees, and they're going through the bush, and trying to find these unreached people groups, that, that's, and I'm, maybe some of you here today, that's kind of what you, you think when you, when, when you think about missions, but something changed in my understanding of missions when I began to learn more about Jesus, and how he lived his life on earth, and how he lived his life actually on purpose, and here's what I've come to realize, that missions aren't something we do once in a while. 
Missions isn't something that I say, okay, every year we go on a missions trip as a church. This year we're going to Haiti next month. We've been to Central America many, many times. Missions is not something we do once in a while. Missions should be all that we are. And what Jesus is going to do in this conversation that Jesus has with the Samaritan woman, what he's going to do is he's going to use this as an example to the disciples because Jesus is handing the message and why he came to earth. He's got to hand it to these knuckleheads. All right. He's got to hand it to these ragtag group of guys who at this point really don't have any idea. And so Jesus very often uses these little illustrations to teach them, here's your purpose, here's your mission. And right now they don't completely understand it, but but Jesus uses this traveling through Samaria to speak to the disciples' hearts, this is what you must do. This is the heart of God. This is what your purpose, your purpose in life is not ultimately to be a fisherman, to catch fish, but it's to catch people. That's going to be your ultimate purpose in life. So the story at the core has everything to do with the heart of Jesus's mission here on earth. So what does it mean? What does it mean to live your life on mission? So what we're going to see is we're going to unpack the story. We're going to read it from God's word and we're going to pack it to see what does it mean to live your life actually on mission? And so let's get the example of what Jesus shows us here on how to live our life on mission. First of all, to live your life on missions literally means to care for people. So what we're going to see in this is that Jesus actually cares for people, not just a select type of people, but for all people. So he's going to use this example to show how he cares for people who, who from their cultural background, the disciples culture background would see them as, as maybe hostile or, or people we don't want to come in contact with. They're different from us. They're beneath us. So we're going to go around the country, but Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus actually goes through this country for a purpose. So Jesus lived his life for the purpose of reaching people first. I want you to look at that. Jesus lived his life for the purpose of reaching people first. If you can understand that about your life mission, it will change everything about the way you live your life. And how you live your life. And how this will bring joy to your life. Because Jesus didn't come to be served. But to serve and give his life as a ransom for who? For you and I. That's the example that he's leaving to the disciples. That's the example that he, he leaves for us. So let's, let's jump into God's word here. Let's look at John chapter 4. We're going to jump through this story. And, and let's see what happens here. So what we see in verse... In the first couple of verses, in verse 3, it says, So he left Judea and returned to Galilee. And here's what the scriptures say. It said, he had to go through Samaria. He had to go through Samaria on the way. Eventually, he came to the Samaritan village in Sychar near the field that Jacob gave his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired from the long walk, sat wearily beside the well at about noontime. Now, I want you to notice the words here right off the bat. It says that he had to go. So th- this wasn't on purpose. 
This wasn't just going from A to B to get from Jerusalem to Galilee. It actually says that Jesus had to go. The word there had indicates this meaning to be necessary, which always means a divine necessary. This was God's mission. He had to go because Jesus knew that there was going to be someone there. Jesus knew that that woman was going to be there. So Jesus just just didn't go from A to B. Uh, The disciples maybe thought so, but Jesus had to go because it was God's plan. Here's the thing I want you to see. Jesus cared more about who was going to be there than just passing through. Have you ever done that in your life where you're just like, man, I got to get to point A and to point B and don't get in my way. I know because I see you guys in Wegmans and you fly by me in your car. You don't even know I'm there. You're just going from A to B to, to, to get done. And here's poor pastor standing there wanting to talk to you. And you don't care because you got to get going. No, I'm just teasing. I'm just teasing. Yesterday I was in Wegmans. I think I ran into late. I felt like I was greeting outside of the door of the church. There's people there. Then so, hey, how you doing? And then it was like 45 minutes later. Then Kathleen left me there. She said, you can walk home because it's just too long. Um, have you ever felt that way? I, here's the thing Jesus always has in the back of his mind. Is that God always sets up for us these divine appointments. But how many know we can easily miss them? If we're not careful, because for me, it's moving from that point A to B. And that's what's interesting about traveling to other countries. Like when we're in, we're in um, Central America many times, it's interesting when people come into a room to greet people, they will first greet every single person in the room. It's their culture. And if they don't, it would be rude, right? And so what do we do? We're like across, hey, how you doing? Give me an air high five, right? We're, 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 we're not necessarily like that in in, in, in our culture as much. And there's this culture of just, it's about relation first. And the missionaries would always tell us, listen, when you come, just remember, it's about people first before your job. Now, we've got a job to do, and we go down there like, oh, we've got to build this church. We've got to, you know, oorah, let's all get going, right? And everybody wants to be a superman and get it done in, 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 in a minute. But the missionaries always tell us, listen, yeah, we've got a job to do, but don't forget there are people, there are locals And I want you to develop a relationship with them because that's why you're here. It's about people. And I can remember some time ago, I was um, going to do a hospital visit. I had to go to the emergency department and someone from our church, I'm not going to embarrass them, but someone from our church was with me and, and, and the emergency was just packed with people. It was just that time of the year and it was hard to find people for rooms within the emergency room. So I'm, I'm bolting through there to get to the person that we're visiting. Meanwhile, as I'm walking through the emergency room, there are people just on beds in the hallways, just all over the place. So I'm walking with this person with us, and and I get to the room, and I look back, and I go, where's the person I came with? Where are they? And I look back, and the person I came with is praying with someone who was in the hallway. There There was a person there that was just hurting and crying out, and the person I was with just stopped and said, hey, can I pray with you? See, my mind was going from A to B and not thinking about all the people that I was passing. And so I looked back and I said, thanks a lot for making me feel horrible now. Thanks a lot for making me feel guilty. But it was just a reminder to me how easy it is for me to forget about people. You know, my neighbor next door, yeah, I'll say hi, blah, blah, blah. But, but just always remind me, do I ever stop and just ask them, hey, how are you doing? Is everything okay? Is there anything that I can pray with you about? See, Jesus had to go through Samaria. He had to. Because there was a person there. 
There was a woman there who needed to hear the love of God. So the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we really care about people? Or do we care more about getting from A to B? Let's go on in John chapter 4 and verse 7 through 10. It says, soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. And Jesus says, please give me a drink. And he was alone at the time because the disciples had gone to the village to buy some food. The woman was surprised for Jews. Here's the background of the story. For Jews refused to have anything to do with the Samaritans. She said to Jesus, because she, she knows that they're not from around there, right? She knows they're Jews, and she's thinking to herself, you know, you're a Jew, and I'm a Samaritan woman. So we get the background here that men weren't supposed to culturally talk to women on top of that, but on top of that, she's, she's Samaritan, and she goes, why are you asking me for a drink? So right away, Jesus is breaking the cultural mores of that time. He doesn't care about the cultural background here. He cares more about this person than what the culture is dictating. Can I get an amen? Okay, so let's dig deep here. Let's get here because Jesus is getting somewhere. And then Jesus replied, here he goes, ready? He uses this conversation. Jesus says, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would ask me and I would give you living water. All right, now Jesus takes this at the well, give me water, and now he, 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 he switches it into a spiritual conversation with her. And so what Jesus does is he looks beyond the racial tension, he looked beyond her being a woman and all the cultural ramifications, and he reaches out to her. Because here's what Jesus sees. Jesus saw more than just a Samaritan or a woman, but he actually sees a soul. He actually sees a person. He actually sees a person who God loves all beyond the ramifications of who she is, what her background is. Jesus sees a soul. Jesus sees a person who God loves beyond everything else. And so we must understand this, that Jesus died and gave his life for all people, backgrounds, cultures, ethnicities. Jesus gave his life for all people. And so, so Jesus cares for this person beyond the cultural ramifications here. He cares for this person. So this is going to teach a lot to the disciples because it's not just going to be a message for the Jews. It's going to be a message for all people. And this is going to be a huge tension in the early days of the church because the message first went out to the Jews. And then we know that when persecution came, it scattered them into other parts So not just Jerusalem, but Judea and Samaria, as we see in Acts 1-8, to the uttermost parts of the world. So that's why Peter had the vision that, like, hey, it's okay to hang out and give the gospel message to Gentiles. You're not going to be unclean. You're not going to get cooties, okay? Remember that as a kid? With guys, with boys, you know, you touch a girl, you get cooties. That was the stupidest thing in the world. I don't know what that meant. And then you get about 12, 13, or 14, or 15, and you're like, wait a minute, girls don't have cooties. <laughs> They're good. Um, and so what happens here is, is Jesus sees this opportunity to teach this to the disciples that it's about people. So a life on mission not only cares for people, but a life on mission is intentional. A life on mission is intentional. And here's what Jesus tells us. Jesus tells us to go and tell not so much about come and see. 
He, he literally wants to use your life to go and tell people about the wonderful message. And I know sometimes we feel like, well, pastor, you know, bringing people to church is great and, and you should do that. But I want you to realize that God wants to use you right where you are in your place, in your job, in your family to share your testimony of what Jesus did for you. Listen, you may not be a theologian. God's not expecting you to be a, a scholar, a biblical scholar. People may ask you questions that you don't know, but that's okay. You can find out the answer. But no one, no one, listen to me, no one can argue with your testimony about how Jesus changed you. Go to that. Tell them about how Jesus changed you. Every single person who's a follower of Jesus Christ has a testimony about how Jesus reached them and saved them. Amen. Everybody has a testimony. So Jesus uses this conversation of drinking water. He turns it into a spiritual conversation. He doesn't force the conversation. He begins to ask her questions. And I know this one thing about people is that people love to talk about themselves. They just do. Don't we all love to talk about ourselves? When people ask you a question, sometimes it's shocking. Like, oh, people ask me questions. And uh, oh, I like this person because, you know, they ask me questions about myself because we all love to talk about our, ourselves. Here's the thing. When you're in a spiritual conversation with somebody, just ask them questions. Just ask them to tell, ask them to tell you their story. Hey, what's your background? What's going on? What do you struggle with? What are your doubts? You know, do you, what do you think about God? Let them talk about it. Instead of trying to cram things down their throat, let them talk. Let them let, get to know them, get to understand their story so you can have compassion for that person so that the Holy Spirit can lead you in that conversation so you can speak to their heart. And this is exactly what Jesus does. I heard a pastor say this one time. He said, the reason we're so uncomfortable about talking about Jesus or inviting people to church is for the simple reason it matters. It matters. It's amazing to me how we can talk about everything except the thing that matters most. The thing that matters most is where that person's going to spend eternity. Not, where, not their political background or who they voted for or who their favorite sports team is. Can I get an amen? Okay. So it amazes me how Jesus speaks to this woman's heart. And you're here today because someone went beyond their comfort zone to either invite you or share with you about Jesus and what Jesus did for them. Amen. That's why we're here. That's why I'm here because someone, a neighbor, a neighbor, a neighbor, two doors down, had the gall to talk to a teenager a neighbor two doors down who I know who loved me opened up to me about Jesus and told me about Jesus and invited me to hear him share his testimony about Jesus. And that was huge for me to hear someone who God saved, who God saved from alcoholism, from all the things that he struggled with in his life. And I would just be as a 14, 15, I was enamored. He would invite me. He would speak at men's meetings and he said, Hey, Barden, I'm, I'm driving to Canada. You want to go with me? I'm like, okay, cool. Road trip. I'll go. And I would hear him and I would hear other people share about Jesus. That was huge. I was like, whoa, wow. And it spoke to my heart. And little bit by little bit, God whittled away at my heart heart and showed me that he's real and that he changes lives. That's your testimony. That's what people need. 
We can spout Bible verses all day long at people, and it's good to know our Bible, but a changed life speaks volumes to people. I know Jesus changed you. It's real. It's not sterile. It's not religious. It's a relationship of how Jesus Christ changed you. So a life on mission is not only intentional, but a life on mission cares for messy people. And let me just say this. This woman's life was immensely messy. Jesus knew this. But Jesus didn't go to this woman at the well to judge her, which he could have. Jesus didn't go there to point fingers and say, oh, you're a Samaritan, you're different from us, and let me point out all the sins in your life because I'm the son of God. What he does is, is he does that, but he does it in such a gentle way. I want, I want to read this for you in, in, in John 4, 16 through 19. He says this, as they're talking, he, goes, he go, tells her, he goes, uh, could you go and call your husband to come back? And she goes, well, I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus says to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is, you have had five husbands, and the man you now have is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. This is where the conversation turns a little personal. I mean, really personal. And you would think at that point, that woman would have just said, who do you think you are? But Jesus, what he does is, he does it with with a gentleness to speak around. He wasn't judging her. He wasn't pointing the finger at her. The, the, the reason why the woman was at the well during mid-afternoon, the word of God tells us, is to actually avoid other women. Normally, women would come either early morning or late afternoon when it was cooler, but she came at midday not to run into anybody because of her shame. And this is why Jesus came. He came to restore and heal the effects of sin. He came right into her messiness to show that he cares and to lead her out of that messiness. And she's amazed that he even knows her life. And then she leaves to tell others, which is really amazing to me. So Jesus didn't avoid the messiness. He walked right into it to show her that he can bring healing because he's the savior. So not only do, do, do people on mission get involved in the messiness of people's lives. And how many you know, our lives are messy. People's lives are messy. And when you begin to scratch below the surface and to begin to do life with people and, and allow them to see who you are and how, how, listen, my life isn't peachy king and not everything was perfect. When you open up and you're vulnerable like that, all of a sudden people's ears open up. And that's why I tell living word is a church where it's okay not to be okay. Living word is full of people who have messed up, screwed up, done horrible things in their background, and have come to find out that God still redeems messy people. Listen, we can be religious and smell nice and talk nice and do all this other stuff on the surface, but how many know that God knows our heart? And when we're vulnerable enough to realize that we've all made mistakes, that we all need a savior. It shows the grace and mercy of God. And that's what people need. They need the grace. They don't need religion. Jesus didn't come to start another religion to add all these rules and regulations on everybody's head so that we all feel burdened. We feel like, man, I can never do this because I know tomorrow I'm going to mess up or I'm going to do something wrong in a week or two. Jesus came to establish a relationship with us to heal what sin had broken 
and to reestablish a relationship with God the Father. So that when I humble myself before God, I find forgiveness for my sin. And I can trust him. And then through a relationship with Jesus Christ, he can give us the power to face temptation a completely different way than I did before I knew Jesus. Amen? He gives us the power because now we have his Holy Spirit. We have a community of those that are around us that pray for us, that help us. That doesn't mean we're never going to make another mistake the rest of our life, but it means that we have a Savior that we can go to to find healing and forgiveness and find help in our time of need. I deal with my life completely differently now. I used to run to this thing to cope, but now I run to Jesus because I know he has the power to help me through whatever temptation that I'm going through. A life on mission always looks for opportunities to share the message of Jesus Christ. A life on mission always looks for opportunities to share the message of Christ. So as we get to the end of the story here, the disciples, they return and Jesus uses this opportunity to share his purpose. Jesus says to the disciples, he says, you know, the saying four months between plan and harvest, but I say to you, wake up, look around. The fields are already ripe for harvest. So this is what he tells his disciples. Yeah, you went to get lunch and you're telling me to eat. But this woman is way more important than our lunch right now. I want you to realize that we look out in the harvest and think, well, there's a time in between planting and harvesting, so we can just wait. And Jesus says, no, 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 no. Not when it comes to souls. Not when it comes to people. The harvest is always there. Never take your eyes off the harvest field. Don't say, well, it's tomorrow or next day. The harvest is today, Jesus is saying. Don't fool yourself into saying, well, I have another day. Jesus is saying here that there's hurting people all around us. Um, the beginning of January, Pastor Brandon gave a great message on witnessing and how to, how, to share, how to share our testimony and how to encourage us how to share the love of Jesus with other people. He challenged us to to write down two people on a piece of paper if you were at the service. And, um, and we came up and we laid those people's names uh, up, here front, up here front on the altar. And um, we had over 400 names that came in. And what we did is that a person in our church put all those names on a poster board. And um, we pray for those on Tuesday night by name. And I have it in my office so we can, we can pray as a staff over each and every one of those names. I want you to know that if you put a card in that day, if you wrote those names down, that person is being lifted up to God. Those names are people who God loves. I don't want you to forget that. And when I look at that, actually, I have the, actually, let me, I'll, if you guys want to see it, I'll show it to you real quick. It's right here. Here's the poster board. I'll just, I'll show it to you. Hold on a second. I'm still here. Here's the poster board. Here's all the names. It's over 400 names of people who Jesus loves. This is missions. This is what it's all about. This is missions. So they're being prayed for. I want you to get, I want you to get beyond that missions is for somebody else, the McCarthy's or the Dumagarts who came on Wednesday, I want you to realize this is our life. That there are people all around you 
This was my wake-up call. I know it was some months ago, and there was a girl in our youth group that invited a girl to church on Wednesday night to youth group. And I got to meet a really nice girl. And she was, oh, this is, this is, you know, she was, I don't know, 15 or 16 or 17. I don't know what her age was. But she was, this was my first time to church. I'm like, oh, that's cool. Great. Welcome to the New Word. We hope you enjoy the youth group. If you have any questions, let us know or let Pastor Brandon know. And she looked, she was, no, 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 no. You don't understand. This is my first time ever to church. She was, I've never been to church. If you don't think that there's a harvest field right here in Ontario, there is. There is. Completely, this girl was completely unchurched. Knew nothing about Jesus or Christianity, but a teenager knew what her mission was. And that was to reach her school for Jesus Christ. We have a mission field all around us. What are we doing with it? And the last thing I just want to give, and we're going to close here, and I'm going to ask Katie to come up and the worship team, but here's the last thing I want, want you to see here. That a life on, mis- uh, on missions, this is what I love about the end of the story, because it really, don't you love a good ending to a story? How many like a good ending? Or you ever watch a movie and it's just a bad ending? Like, that's why I don't like, you know, I... I don't like movies where the main character dies at, at the end. You know, I love John Wayne movies. How many, how many of you love John Wayne movies? I know Ruth loves John Wayne movies. She's infatuated with John Wayne. But that's why I, I love the movie Cowboys, but John Wayne dies at the end. I don't, it's just, it's just man. So I, every time I, now I just gave it away if you never saw that movie. It's a great movie, but it's like at the end he dies. I'm like, no, I don't like that. But this has a good ending. This, this story has a good ending. So here's, here's the ending. A life on mission doesn't hide their past, but uses it to show God's forgiveness and redemption. So let's, let's what ha- here's what happens. End, end of the chapter here. It says, this woman goes to her village now. And it says, many Samaritans from the village believed in Jesus because of what the woman has said. Now, this woman does not have a good past, but she's so changed in the way she presents it that people are like, Wait a minute. You're not lying. Something must have changed in your life. Have you ever met up with people from your past after you've given your life to Jesus? And they're like, oh, I remember when you were like, oh, and now you're like, oh, what's up with that, right? Um, This is this woman. And so he says, he told me everything I ever did. And when they came out to see him, they begged him to stay in their village. So he stayed two more days, long enough for many more to hear the message and, and what? And believe. Their lives were changed. And then they said to the woman, Now we believe not just because of what you told us, but because we have heard him ourselves. And now we know that he is indeed the Savior of the world. Listen, if God can use, listen to me, because some of you feel like, How can God use me because of my past? If God can use this messy woman, If God can use this messy woman's life who was changed, right? Look at the statement. Her past. Her past didn't keep her from sharing what Jesus did for hers. And either should yours. Either should yours. You can actually use your past, as messy as it is, as dysfunctional as it is, as a testimony to how Jesus redeems 
and now uses us for his glory and his purpose, for his glory alone. And so I want to pray for you today that you would come to realize that God just doesn't use people who think they have it all together. That Jesus comes into our messiness to change us, to use us for his glory now. And see, the thing is, when, you're, when you have a conversation with somebody and you can say, you know what, I've struggled with the very same thing. They're like, whoa, really? See, the reason why people have bad impressions of Christians so many times is because if we come off judgmental or holier than thou, people just plug their ears and turn off. But when you come into a conversation, you're like, you know what, I've struggled with that in my life too. And in many ways, that temptation is still before me and without Jesus' help, I could never do it. All of a sudden, they're like, oh, okay. You get down to a level. Or someone's hurt and you're like, you know what, I just want to let you know, I heard that that your mom passed away, your dad passed away. And I, can I just let you know, I'm just praying for your family. And if you need someone to talk to, I'm here for you. You send them a card, whatever you can do to bridge that gap so that you can have access into their life to share what Jesus did in your life. That's missions. Jesus with a Samaritan woman speaks everything of what missions is all about and how he changes lives. Amen. So, Father God, we just bow before you now, and I just pray as we just close in, we sing this closing song, God, that you would um, change our hearts and maybe our vision about what we think missions is all about, that, God, you would use our messiness to show people how you redeem, that, God, you would give us a heart for our neighbor, for the world, that, God, as we look around and we see these posters of all these people from different cultures, from different ethnicities, that, God, you would give us a heart for the world. That, God, we would realize that behind these faces are people who need to know about the love of Jesus and that he came to redeem us from our sin. And so, God, I pray that you would just change us today. And as we sing this today, give us a heart for our city, for our town, for our world, Lord. And I thank you, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, that you showed us what it means to live a life on mission. We love you today and we just ask these things in your precious name.